All right. Now, for you folks that have joined us live today, we love having you here. And this is my favorite part of the show. Yeah. I love the Q&A. I love the comments. The comment sections are open. I need questions. Hit me up, guys. Let's talk about what you want to talk about. We're going to just go with this right now. I'm going to say this wrong. Maybe it's Mr. Sayless. Maybe it's Mr. Sales. I don't know. Mr. Sir, I am sorry if I pronounced that wrong. But your point is this. Uh, he says, they are not trying, they being the Reds, are not trying to win right now. Play all the young players. Build them up. All right, Jeff. I, I, I This comes up a lot. And I, I have a mixed bag of feelings on this because – I feel like, yes, I want the young players up at the major league level as soon as possible, but I don't want to do it in such a way like I don't want to just say, well, the Reds are bad. Noel V. Marte is starting tomorrow, whether he can hit a major league breaking ball or not. He's going to get out there and learn it by God. And I'm just afraid doing that will derail progress if we move people up too soon. Uh, I know everybody doesn't agree with that, but I think that plays a little part in what is wrong with Jose Barrero. I think I they think, brought him up just to yeah. touch too soon. And I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to see that happen to a lot of these prospects. I think that's why there's always a bit of a turn your nose up whenever the Reds make a move for a guy that is a retread or is a, a prove it type player, because people just think, well, we've got these top prospects. Why aren't we playing them? There's a lot of guys that aren't ready. I mean, Noevi Marte is not ready. Edwin Arroyo is years away. He's not ready. Um, there's some pitchers that are exciting. I, I kind of wonder about Andrew Abbott. Could he play his way into the rotation this year? Maybe, but it won't be till later. I, I, there's, there's different guys that whether or not the Reds are actually trying to win this year, you can damage their personal development by calling them up too early. This is the same thing as to if you were to give like a, a young kid who just started out at a company a management role. He doesn't have a feel for what's going on here, so why on earth are you giving him the reins right now? I, I look at this when it comes to uh, – you know, Ellie De La Cruz, I want to make sure that he's ready because he has set everything on fire, but he hasn't seen AAA just yet. Everyone who has gone through the minor leagues always says that AA is when baseball starts to feel like professional baseball. The lower A's, you've got a lot of guys who are just kind of there just trying to keep their dream alive, but not necessarily top prospect type dudes. In AA, things start to you know, kind of ramp up a little bit. And then when you get to AAA, then you really start to see that challenge. So how does he really react to that? And that's why I don't think we see him on opening day. I still think we see him sometime in May. I don't think it's going to be very long because I firmly expect him to just own up to that challenge and kill it. But I don't want him to come up before we know that he's ready because there is a finite point when a prospect is ready to see major league pitching and major league hitting. And if they come up too soon, then we're, uh, you know, it's not going to be good for their personal development. Well, Carrick Melvin jumped in on our payroll talk there in the last segment and says that he thinks he could see the red spending about $120 million this next season. And I think that's where you and I were when we talked mm -hmm. about this a few weeks ago. Uh, and then uh, spending as much as $130, $140 million in 2024, uh, he says uh, we can be good. I agree. I think the Reds can definitely be good in 2024 and beyond. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think their payroll number in, in 2024 will be anywhere near $140 million just because of some of what you said, Jeff. There's not any players that are going to be under contract 
there's going to be a lot of youth on this roster that are making league minimum. They're not going to be making big money contracts. There's going to be some supplementing of that roster with some free agent signings, I think. But those are going to be like bridge and band-aid guys. I, I think this team could – I've said this before. I think by 2024, 2025, the Reds could find themselves in a situation of having one of the best records in baseball with one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. I don't think – that 140 is out of the question. And the reason that I believe that is because I think they can split up what they paid for Joey Votto and Mike Mustakis amongst guys like Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India, um, you know, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and turn them into maybe buying out one or two years of their free agency. I really want the Reds to explore what the Braves do. And, and I think the reason that the Braves are so successful at it is because no other team really thinks about this. They're just like, well, we got them under arbitration. We can worry about that whenever arbitration comes. And Atlanta's just like, let's lock them up. Let's buy a couple of years of free agency before they really shoot up to the high point of their value. And the Reds absolutely need to explore that. I think that would be the reason, not because they go out and they make a signing for a dude over $20 million a year, but because they have more guys with long-term contracts of around, you know, 10 to $15 million average annual value. Well, our buddy John Parks got into the comment section. Anybody that reads John Park in our comment section, no, he loves to challenge us and, and kind of come at our takes a little bit. But, you know, here's a comment from him. He says, anybody on the Reds who has talent is marked and is susceptible to being put on the trading block. Yes, absolutely. That's the new model, folks. And I know it's hard to adjust to. Uh, we are never going to be the Los Angeles Dodgers. They're never going to sign nine position players to 10-year deals apiece and spend $250 million. It's never going to happen. They have committed and gone all in on this model of maybe keeping one or two guys that are faces of the franchise. And everybody else is going to get flipped when they have one and a half to two years of team control remaining. That's the new model. And you can either get attached to a few of these players and then be just really angry when they get traded, or you can find yourself in a position where you just get attached to the winning. And I want to get attached to the winning because we have not had that in a very long time. Winning cures all ails, right? Like once the Reds start winning, we're going to stop questioning it. But I, I don't think that the Reds are making any kind of big time trades this year like the the only one i could possibly see happening would be some kind of surprise move where they flip like like i don't know like they flip jonathan india for for somebody who's going to be really awesome but see now you're that would trying be to start trouble that would jonathan be the only india. thing what are you I, just, doing? I don't think it's actually going to happen he's trying to like clickbait people or something trade jonathan <laughs> india oh my goodness danny oh, new weighs God. in on this same thing he says too many up at the same time means that too many are out the door at the same time this that is true this point. is a great point and this is a concern that i have for the starting rotation because nicoladolo and hunter green are going to come up and graham ashcraft are all going to come up at the same time and then whoever makes the rotation out of stout and williamson are going to come up the following year so there's going to be some interesting decisions have to be made and you have to assume that one of the guys in that rotation are going to be one of those uh faces that they try and extend with a contract so uh, maybe they'll maybe they'll take your comments to heart jeff and use that atlanta braves model on the rotation yeah because they could then control and they could taper the you know the 
loss of control of a player based on the contracts that they give him. Maybe it'll be like, okay, we'll give Lodolo six years. We'll give Hunter Green five years. We'll give Graham Ashcraft five or four years or something like that. And then they can kind of push that decision down the road a little bit because I, I think that a smart team gets proactive in this. Now we have not seen the reds be proactive in a long time, but they were a little bit ahead of the curve when it came to trading some guys and getting some good talent for them from Castillo and Mally and all that. So I wonder if they will continue this new way of running the team and start exploring some contract negotiations with their young guys. All right, here's another one from our buddy Carrick, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let you jump in on this one first. Go ahead, give a read, take it away. <sighs> this is a tough one, just because I think that the talent for DLC is a lot more than CES. Now DLC is Ellie De La Cruz, and CES is Christian Encarnacion Strand. I think that and, both. And Carrick's of- question is, who will come up first? Yes, and, and I think that you know, especially hitting wise, both of them had very good years last year. In fact, if you look up their production. Uh, CES and DLC both had similar power numbers. The thing of it is uh, CES is not at a position of need. Uh, he plays first base and really the reds have a bunch of guys who can play first base right now. And if you're not playing first base, you're probably playing DH. And so the reds just have too many guys that can fill into that spot. I think that once we see a couple of moves made, maybe some guys get, uh, you know, maybe, you know, moose or something. Maybe you trade him. Maybe you sign, you know, do the whole Matt Kemp thing and wave goodbye and hand him a check in May or June or something like that. Maybe then you could see some move for Christian Encarnacion strand coming up, but I get the feeling that it's going to be Ellie De La Cruz before CES. Oh, I, I totally agree. I, I, Ellie De La Cruz is the next position player up guys. He is the next one to make his debut. There's nobody else waiting in the wings. that's going to come up as a position player before Ellie De La Cruz does. I, I just, I can't, I can't fathom a situation where that happens. Uh, the only one, the only thing I might say on that is maybe Matt McLean, but I still think McLean is working a lot on his plate discipline. And I think that they will give him more time than Ellie De La Cruz. Because I know that, and everybody marks the high strikeout percentage for Ellie De La Cruz, but he still has amazing production on top of that strikeout percentage. So I'd love to see if that can continue to translate in the big leagues. Carrick, you know, I, I love Carrick. Carrick, thank you so much for being so dedicated to the show. You always challenge us to think and provide us great information. And I, I really appreciate you, man. I don't know. I know we don't we don't say that enough in our back and forth interactions. But, uh, you know, he he seems to think, Jeff, that the Reds are going to withhold bringing up Ellie De La Cruz until September because they want to keep him eligible for the Rookie of the Year in 2024. And I know there's some draft pick implications with that. I believe if they win the rookie of the year is there's, there's something with the draft picks, but I, I'm going to tell you right now, there is no way they keep Ellie De La Cruz in the minor leagues all the way through September. Unless the, I mean, the only way that happens is if he goes to Louisville and can't hit the broadside of a barn and his track record says that's not what's going to happen. Right. I, I just, I don't see that being part of the plan. It's a nice, it's a nice like added side thing for us fans, but I don't think, uh, front offices consider awards when they consider building a roster. They hope that their guys 
compete for awards because if they have guys on the roster that are competing for awards, i.e. the Braves that went 1-2 in the NL Rookie of the Year, probably means that they're a pretty good team as a whole. But to say that that is an aim and a reason as to why they would target September, no. And I'd be surprised if it's not. I'd be surprised if we get through half of the season we haven't seen Ellie De La Cruz yet. John Park jumps back in talking about the relief pitchers, Jeff. Uh, he says, I feel like there's a huge vacuum in the relief pitcher space, and they have a huge need for a couple starting pitchers. In other words, they have a huge challenge and very few dollars. Um, I don't know that I would say that the need for starting pitchers is a huge need for starting pitchers. I, I, I mean, I really think at this point it shakes out to it would be really nice if they went out and signed a number four guy. I think one through three are a lock right now with Lodolo Green and Ashcraft. I think number five is going to be one of Williamson or Stout. And that leaves you really needing to fill that number four. I guess you could argue they need to go sign two starting pitchers to have a spare. Uh, but I think you've got a couple spares because we, we didn't even discuss Luis Sessa there. We, If only one of Williamson or Stout makes the rotation, you've got the other guy if there's an injury being able to step in. So, I mean, yeah, they need to go sign a guy. And, and Jeff, I think yeah, I, I told you, you, it's very rare that I think you have a genius thought, but your, your, your idea on Kluber here at the number four, I think is fantastic. I mean, how about a rotation that goes Lodolo green, Ashcraft Kluber, and then Williamson or stout. That's a pretty damn good starting rotation. I would like to see that because I think that this year, specifically for the bullpen, because I do agree with his take about the bullpen kind of being a vacuum, not necessarily because it's devoid of talent, but it's because it's devoid of guys that you trust on a day in and day out basis. There's guys that have good ceilings, but there's also guys that have low floors. So you're still worried about whenever you call on that guy from the bullpen. But I think that this year will be a big year for figuring out who in this organization can fill out those bullpen spots because you're getting back all of your key uh, contributors from injury. And you're going to be able to see how they fit in with Alexis Diaz. But also you've got these young dudes that are coming up and, and you have kind of gotten ahead of the curve with Justin Dunn and saying he looks more like a relief pitcher. You're going to figure out whether Levi Stout uh, can start to stick as a starting pitcher or a relief pitcher. And you've got some other dudes who aren't necessarily on the top prospect list, but the Reds will have them called up to make their debuts and see what they can provide for the major league team. And whether that's in the rotation of the bullpen, this year is going to be a big prove it season for the supporting cast of the pitching staff. The Reds have their core of their pitching staff. They have their top three starters and their closer. Now they need to figure out who fills in the margins. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's well said. I, I think that, you know, I, I would agree with John that there's a a bigger need anyway for relief pitchers than mm -hmm. than starting pitchers. But, um, you know, I think the back half of that bullpen is really where the work needs to be done. You know, positions five through eight. If we're talking about an eight man bullpen. I think they've probably got three or four guys that will build a foundation and they're going to have to fill out the rest yes. via free agency. And interestingly enough, Austin Bowley's asking us about uh, looking ahead even farther to 2024. And if there's any free agents, we'd like the Reds to pursue next off season. And I got to tell you, this is a hard exercise because uh, guys could get signed to extensions. They may not hit free agency. Things may not open up. The other reason that that's a hard exercise is, I think the Reds, as far as being active in the free agent market, are going to have to really wait until we see 
how these prospects develop in 2023 and actually who's on the big league roster heading into the 2023 off season and to the beginning of the 2024 season. I think there's way too many variables to really speculate that far ahead for me. Anyway, uh, I think that if everything goes right, the reds are hoping they don't have a lot of needs and they don't need to go out and sign a whole lot of guys other than a couple uh, bench uh, fillers and you know a patch band-aid kind of signing yeah because the key contributors are going to come from within um looking and i just kind of did like a quick look as to what spot track says about potential free agents next year like there's a couple of interesting names it'd be interesting to see if they could bring ian Happ to cincinnati he always seems to play very well in cincinnati maybe hey, you, do if you it can't for beat him if you can't beat him sign him that's what yeah. i'm saying bring him in. Um, there's not really a whole lot of interesting names on this list. And it's funny because they even list Cody Bellinger, but there is some thought that Cody Bellinger might be non-tendered by the Dodgers this year. Now, I don't know if that means he's going to still maintain a lot of money. You're talking about a award winner. You're not talking about a dude who hasn't had a good career so far, but I, I, I don't necessarily look at the next year's free agent list and see anybody that jumps out that I think the Reds should go after. Plus, I think, and this could be an entire show topic, so I'm just kind of dropping this thought in here for a moment, but I think I would prioritize the Reds locking up their young players for multiple years over spending that money Absolutely. on big-time free agents next year. Absolutely. I, that, I agree 100%. That's what I think should happen. And I think uh, that's how they'll prioritize it, too. Our buddy Jason... Stalgren, 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 Jason Stalgren. Right. Sorry, Appreciate guys. You, hey, listen, I'm coming off an overnight shift, guys. I'm just going to put that out there. Now. We're far <laughs> enough into the show. I'll complain about it a little bit. I worked the ER 12 <laughs> hours last night. I'm, I'm barely hanging on. Uh, but uh, Jason says, hey, guys, not sure if you can see this message, but keep up the great work. Lifelong Reds fan. And to be honest, you guys made last season one of the, my most enjoyable. And he laughs out loud. Uh, hey, thanks. Appreciate you. Um, Appreciate you, you, know, you guys are you guys are great. I, listen, I, I I tell Jeff all the time. I love the interaction uh, when we're out at the ballpark and and people come up and talk to us and talk baseball. is my that's why I love hanging out at the ballpark. You guys make it great. You make it great here on YouTube and in the social media spaces. You make it great when we're in person. Thank you guys so much. Really do appreciate all the feedback. Uh, Carrick following up on what we had to say. Uh, he thinks they're more likely to bring up CES than they. This, this is interesting. I I don't know, Carrick. I, I mean, I just can't envision a scenario where they where they do this, where they bring anybody else up before Ellie De La Cruz. There's the just way too much hype train right now. Yeah. Say I mean, that again? Maybe if he gets hurt, but if he's healthy, if everybody's healthy, I, I think that he's, he's going to be the first one up. And I know uh, the K percentage thing just for me is not a big – deal and i know that that's weird to say because we've seen aristides aquino hit we've seen jose barrero hit but we've also seen have we have we really seen jose barrero hit the lack of hitting the lack of okay but i'm but my point is we've also seen o'neill cruz o'neill cruz does not have a good strikeout percentage but there is nobody that doesn't think this dude is going to be the best hitter in the pirates lineup this season and i've i find that to be the case with ellie de la cruz Danny knew 
tagging on to our bullpen conversation says he would love to see a bullpen that includes Sims, Antone, Santion, Farmer, and Diaz. Uh, he would like to see what that would look like. Me too. I think that's probably a 2024 look though, because I, I'm not sure what we can count on, if anything at all, from TJ Antone. And, and I know he's working hard, but I can't imagine he's going to be ready anytime before the, the midway mark in 2023 coming off that second Tommy John surgery. Jeff, do you have you have you paid attention at all to his timeline? I've kind of put him on the back burner in my mind just because it's, it's such a difficult rehab. I've kind of got him marked for May, maybe June. I, I think I, he's not going to break camp with the team, at least. I mean, if he is cleared to play and, and if he's healthy, but I think he's going to start camp late, which means his season will start late. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're talking about pre- Second Tommy John surgery, TJ Antone. You're talking about 2021 Lucas Sims. And you're talking about something from Tony Santion that is very close to 2021 as well. And you put him to get, put those together with Alexis Diaz. And then you have Buck Farmer kind of as the depth guy, the, the, uh, you know, breaking case of emergency guy, then I'm all in on that kind of a bullpen, and I don't necessarily think you have to spend a ton of money. It's just along with our whole talk of is a prospect going to pan out, we're now talking about some guys that have a lot of question marks. There's so many question marks on this team that I feel like it would be a little bit foolish and definitely setting ourselves up for disappointment if we think that every single one of those question marks are going to pan out. Damon Rice checks in and says, hopefully produce sales pick up next year. And the SOB himself, that's son of Bob, folks, Phil Castellini, will secure a few of our young stars. Jeff, I think this piggybacks off of what you were saying with adopting a bit of the Atlanta Braves model of locking up the 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 youth. And, you know, I, I think that resonates with a lot of people. I mean, you can see it there, you know, that they we really want to get these young guys locked up. I understand the sentiment. Um, I just I, I'm, I'm not sure they're going to go that route. I really think that they have made an organizational commitment to to flipping for for prospects. I think that's really where we're going. I think that that the model for spending is going to be that. And then you're probably talking about I, I would be. I don't know that I'd be shocked, but I would be surprised if we see the Reds make a move to add an outside player who makes more than $10 million a year. Yeah, I think I agree with that. At least until Scroll ownership up. changes. I think that's just how. Right. And well, and, and I don't know that ownership's ever going to change. Um, right. The days of the date. Listen, folks, the days of produce stand owners being able to buy into major league baseball are over. These franchises are valued in the billions of dollars, not in the millions of dollars now. And, you know, as, as sad as it is, I don't know that the Castellinis will ever sell this team. They they've got too good a racket going on right now. And I, I just, I don't see it happening. Um, I'm scrolling the comments here, Jeff. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Danny new agrees with you. Corey Kluber. Uh, just very briefly, Jeff, kind of rehash your take on that. Why you think he's a good signing for the Reds? Yeah, I mean, he's he's a dude who's done it before. He's a Cy Young Award winner, and he he just had kind of a an okay season last year. Not a great season, but an okay season, and it ended poorly in the playoff game for the Rays, where he blew their last game of the year. 
And I don't necessarily think that every general manager is going to weigh that over his entire career, but they're going to look at his age too. And if you're talking about a contending team, then they're probably going to offer him the minimum. And then if you can be the red, if you can be the reds and swoop in with a little bit of uh, maybe like, you know, I don't know, $5 million or something on a prove it deal with maybe some incentives to bump that up and some incentives to stay healthy and things like that. Then I think the reds could bring him in and maybe even flip him at the deadline. If he continues, you know, if he does prove it uh, because he's shown it in the past and I just don't think that he's ready to hang him up. But I also don't think that a contending team is ready to commit to him because you can compare him to Johnny Cueto, who they're both pretty much at the same spots in their career. But Johnny Cueto was awesome last year he for the White Sox. Beast. And Absolutely. a contending team is going to want him. All right, Jeff. Our, our viewers, they never let us down. The questions are getting better and better and better and better and a little bit more challenging. Um, let's go to Cincinnati Crew. Cincinnati Crew wants to know where we think Aristides Aquino will be at the start. Of the 2023 baseball season. Um, I'm not sure where you're at on Je this, Jeff. I think, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to be in Goodyear for spring training. And they're going to flirt with the idea of, of finding a way to put him back on this roster. Maybe. Um, I don't know, though. Because I think this is where... Aquino's got to look at himself and look at his own career and be like, what is the best move for me? Because I know if I go back there, the only reason that I'm playing is because they are once again, super depleted, which obviously we saw last year that could happen. But then there's also the case of, does he want to know that he's going to play every single day? And that makes me wonder if he doesn't go overseas in some sort of capacity. Maybe he goes to Japan. Maybe he goes to Korea, something like that, because we've seen, other players from other organizations who struggled early on in their career go overseas, work on some stuff, get the chance to play every day and be a big part of a team and then come back and see some success. So I wonder if he tries that route because I just I don't know that any other major league team because I know that our buddy uh, uh, over uh, Lockdown Pirates, Ethan, has said he's just like, yeah, he's going to be a, a Red Pirate Hall of Pirates. Famer. Yeah, you're a Pirates Hall of Famer. I don't even know if the pirates are going to take a, a, a flyer on Aquino because I, I think the pirates are on the come up anyway, but, um, do we I know if Aquino is playing majors. winter ball anywhere? Is he on a winter league team right now? I think he was in the Dominican. I think I thought he was on the same team with Ellie De La Cruz. Okay. Well, let's, let's go on to, uh, another uh outfielder question are the reds keeping fairchild he seems safer than senzel right now uh, i think the outfield is so depleted they got to keep them both uh but fairchild absolutely played his way into an opportunity to have a significant role with this team in 2023 uh you know we've someone in the i wish i could remember who said it in the youtube comments that called it the f troop out there with fairchild fraley and uh the other guy friedel Friedel, thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yes, yes. I'm, I'm drawing and, a blank there. But yeah, so I, I, I think Fairchild is is definitely going to have a role on this team in 2023. 20, sorry. I was on a one-track mind, and I looked it up, and, and Carrick, I see in the comments, also uh, gave us a confirmation. He was he was in uh, he was on the, and I'm going to butcher this, but I think it was Lise, 
the the team with Elia De La Cruz in the Dominican mm-hmm. Winter League. But yeah, I still think his numbers were very similar to what he was putting up. I we just we know what Aquino Ooh. is, and I think the league knows who Aquino is. Sure. Carrick is pushing back on us, man. He is, <laughs> he thinks the Reds will clear a couple more spots before the Rule 5 draft and Fairchild will be gone. I, I, I don't see it that way. I think Fairchild played his way into an opportunity in 2023, but um, well, we'll see. We'll see which one of us is right, Carrick. I, I will, if, if it goes down this way, I will shout you out. I will give you all of the credit if you're right about that. I did see some writers and some folks who cover other teams mentioning like, oh, I can't believe this guy wasn't protected from the Rule 5 draft. I don't necessarily know what that means, but I do know that it's much rarer than we give it credit for that a team finds a guy that actually sticks on a roster all year long during the Rule 5 draft. Now, I will say this, like going back in the past, I remember 2019, I think it was, the Reds took Connor Joe and they, they ended up sending him back to the Giants, and now he is a key contributor on a Rockies lineup. So it kind of makes you wonder if they had the ability to let him stick around, but I just I don't see that being the case. All right, Chris Schreiner checks in, Jeff, and his question is, what are our thoughts on what will happen with Luis Sessa? This is a good question, and I'm not sure that there's a great answer for it because – I think if you were to ask Luis Sessa what he wants his role to be, I think he wants to remain in the starting rotation. And if the Reds can't go out and sign a number four guy, if if Jeff's Corey Kluber dream falls apart, I think Luis Sessa will have that opportunity to pitch for a spot in the starting rotation. If the Reds go out and sign somebody, I think that fifth starter spot's going to go to one of the youngsters and that Sessa is going to go back into the Reds bullpen. I I think I agree, but I think the Reds need to approach his spring training in a vacuum. They need to look at him specifically and plan for him to be a starter. And then if it doesn't work out, he can still be a bullpen guy. Like it's much much easier for a starter to turn into a reliever than for a reliever to turn into a starter. And we saw that because when he first started, when they first started throwing him into the rotation, he was rough. He really didn't pitch that deep into games and he kind of got absolutely blasted by about the third or fourth inning. But as he went along and his couple of his last couple of starts seemed a little bit more promising. I wouldn't mind seeing it in spring training, but I also, I don't necessarily know that I put him in the top three as far as rotation candidates go, but I, I definitely want to see them work him into the season as a starter and then retreat back to the bullpen if they need to. All right, guys, you're doing great in the comments. We're going to keep trying to plow through some of these, uh, keep dropping them in. Uh, I'm not out of steam yet. It looks like Jeff's doing okay too. We're just going to keep right on digging folks. Uh, Jared on vinyl says he sees some Austin Riley and Spencer steer. Uh, he's hoping that uh, like Steer that. makes some big strides this season. Uh, he loves how patient steer is at the plate. Uh, could be really nice for the reds. Once he settles in and get adjust to major league pitching. Basically, I want to tell you what, when I sat down and talked with Spencer steer, uh, you know, he struck me as a guy that is going to figure it out very quickly. Uh, he puts in the work, he puts in the effort. Uh, he knows baseball. I, you know, I really enjoyed speaking with him and, and I came away and, and Jeff can, can 
confirm this. I came away from that interview very, very excited after I talked to Spencer Steer. Uh, I agree, Jared. I think that Spencer is going to be a very valuable piece uh, to this Reds team. And once Kyle Farmer is gone, whenever that is, uh, Spencer Steer, I think, is who the Reds should look to to make the for at least a couple seasons, more permanent super utility. I like his flexibility, his versatility. Uh, I think he needs full time at bats, uh, but I do like how he can kind of scoot around. And once all of the other prospects are up, I think steer could be the guy that just spells everybody and gives everybody a day off and keeps that bat in the lineup. I really, I really like what Spencer steer has to offer. Yeah, and if if you see some Austin Riley in there, I love that. He's a top 20 player in the major leagues. If you tell me Spencer Steer could be that good, I'm down with that. I, I love the plate discipline that I saw, and he just did not look because I think we've seen, and I think we saw this in Nick Senzel, I think we've seen this in Jose Barrero, that there's a point where the game gets too big for them. And I know he was only up here for a month, so it's not as if the sample size is huge. But when I watched Spencer Steer, he looked like he belonged. He looked like there was nothing that was too big for him in this in the Major League game. So I think that when you have that mentality and you have the plate discipline that he has, the rest of the numbers are going to follow. And I'm very excited to see what his 2023 looks like. BR47 wants to know if his stomach is still going to hurt in 2023 when the Reds go to the bullpen. Uh, 50-50 shot that it's not going to hurt right now. Um, We need to see what they do with uh, spots five through eight in the bullpen. But I think think the back end of the bullpen in games where they have a lead are going to be a whole lot more reliable than they were in 2022. I think that's my answer. I agree. Um, You're still going to have those off days where it's, you know, Alexis Diaz has pitched two out of the last three or three out of the last five, and you have to go to somebody else that, yeah, that day you are going to, because the the bullpen's not super deep. And and while the names we know, Sims, Antone, Santion, um, and and those guys are not necessarily 100% trustworthy just yet because they got to build themselves back up. So I, I think I'm still going to be a little bit nervous until I see some consistency out of those guys. So unfortunately, I think my answer is yes. Rob Short with another shout out for us, Jeff. I'm taking, I'm taking these pats on the back, brother. Good job this year, he says, in a year that was hard on us all, let alone trying to find positive amidst all the negatives. That Y'all, that's Jeff. Jeff is Mr. Optimism. Um, I'm just along for the ride sometimes. You guys don't get to hear our pre-show meetings where he talks me off the ledge day after day <laughs> after day. So that's that's all Jeff. The optimism bleeds through from Jeff. So Jeff, that one's for you. Uh, John Park comes from sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> John Park, this is this, this is good. John Park says Aquino is hanging around till the league adopts the new position called designated fielder. Man, that's the true story right there. Uh, for as bad as Aristides Aquino has been at the plate, man, he is he is no joke in the outfield with that cannon. Yeah, and that's an that's one of those uh, argument points that a lot of people like to say. Well, you can make the stats say anything you want them to say. If you literally just focus on Aristides Aquino's fielding, then the Reds absolutely should have kept him. It's just half of his game is such an eyesore. 
We touched on this a little bit, Jeff. Do you have anything else? Greg uh, Landwehr is asking, is the Nick Senzel experiment over? Do the Reds move him this offseason? Uh, I don't think they move him because his value has never been lower. Uh, and I don't think the experiment can be over because they don't have anybody else. I think the only way they move him is for some other team's prospect that is a disappointment. So then the guy we're getting back is the same guy that we already have. And I don't think that the Reds are going to make that trade. I, I think that we're still going to see him out there in the and not necessarily every day in the center field, but as a, a guy who moves around and they're going to try to give him at bats and see if he sticks and, you know, just throw it against the wall and see what happens. Rob short, uh, Jeff, you have a take a on chance. this. Wants to know if there's any chance Tucker Barnhart comes back. I think there's a, a better than, I don't know what. Let's call it a 40% chance Tucker Barnhart was, comes back. I yeah, think I it all say. boils down to how low Tucker will go, so to speak, as far as the money goes. Because, you know, he's he was making, what, $7.5 million in Detroit last year. Um, I don't think he's going to get anywhere near that kind of money just based on performance. But, you know, if the, if he'll sign for $3 million on a one- or two-year deal, I, he's valuable. And and the Reds need a defensive guy that can actually catch the baseball from the catcher yeah. position when Tyler Stevenson is either out of the lineup or playing another position to save his legs for part of the year. Two things happened uh, already this offseason that lead me to believe that it's almost 50-50 at this point that he returns. Because I agree. It's, it's, I mean, and it's something that I always hear different people say is that, you know, free agents have agency. They have the ability to choose. So if he does choose Cincinnati, yeah, I think that the Reds should definitely be interested because of these two things. Number one, they didn't add another catcher to the 40-man roster whenever they were protecting guys. Daniel Veoheen was not added to the 40-man roster. Not that that was going to mean he was going to play this year anyway, but they literally just have Tyler Stevenson and that's it so far as catchers on the 40-man roster plus you look at all of the other guys who went somewhere else like Austin Romine free agent right now uh Mark Colesvari Michael Papierski uh Chris O'Kee all got claimed by other teams and Chucky Robinson also elected free agency. He's not even in AAA anymore. So they do not even have the guy that we listed as their emergency, you know, fourth catcher down in Louisville. So they are going to make a move to get a catcher because there's nobody currently within this organization that can be their second catcher. I'm not going to pull up all these comments, but Carrick and, and Rob Shorter having a great conversation in the comments over here about Luis Sessa and, you know, whether or not he'll be a starter. And I, I, this one's going to be fun to watch guys. I I'm with, I'm with you. I think he has a legitimate uh, argument to be considered to be a starter. Yeah. Uh, it's it just really going to depend on what they do as far as signing a guy. I think that's just really how it plays out. And I do see that it was mentioned, yes, he has experience as a starting pitcher with the Yankees, but I think that's like saying that Kyle Farmer has experience at catcher. Like, yes, he played some catcher. And Luis he did Sessa that. He did that sometime. Bit. Yeah, but it's not as if this was his profile a year or two years ago. Like, I, I think that Luis Sessa is still building up his ability to be a starting pitcher. Danny says he's buying stock in Maylox with his bullpen. Yeah, that I mean that that's a safe bet. I think for sure. Not gonna lie, I go for the Kerger brand Tums. You save some money on there. They're like the exact same thing. Works. Damon works. Rice pops back in. Uh, 
And Jeff, I don't know. Uh, do you know? Are there any updates see. on the replacements to the coaching staff? Uh, very interested to learn how much criticism went towards the training group, etc., with the ridiculous amount of injuries. Listen, I will tell you folks this. Um, I have several friends within the Reds organization, um, and I can't name them, you know, for their own protection, basically. But there has been a, a, a a group that has been disgruntled with the Reds medical and training staff for several seasons now. Jeff, I know you've heard some of this stuff back channel. I've heard some of it back channel. We've talked to some of our other media friends that have heard it. Uh, it's been there. And I think the 2022 season was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, you know, do the players themselves bear some responsibility in it? You know, I don't know. I know that we've talked about the fact that some of them, you know, say they're okay when they're not, and they try to be on the field when they shouldn't be. And some of that ultimately reflects poorly on the training staff and the medical staff. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Reds had an extraordinary amount of injuries in 2022. And I agree 100% that they had to make a change. Even if all of the fault doesn't fall on that group, uh, there's enough evidence and enough data over the last two to three years that says the changes that were made within the training and medical departments were not good ones. They didn't work and something needed to be done. So for me, that was a move that had to happen. Uh, I haven't heard who they've brought in or if they've brought anyone in yet, uh, but I'm, I'm glad that it happened. Yeah. Disenchantment, I think, is putting it lightly whenever it comes to how they were feeling about their training group. Now, as far as the replacements go, I have not heard any sort of reports as to what's coming up next. Um, I got to believe that over the holiday season, that'll get finalized and they'll probably announce it around new years or something like that. Um, but yeah, that's definitely, that's going to be a bigger move, uh, than we give it credit for. And it's not necessarily going to be one of those things that you see, uh, John Morosi tweeting rumors about as if, and the reds are, the Reds are in big with some big uh, training group. I don't even know what to put there. Uh, All right, guys, yeah. we're getting into the home stretch here. We're going to get through a few more of these. There's not a lot left. But before I put this next one up, I've got to warn Jeff. Do not do an accent when I put this comment up. You are forbidden. Wayne Roberts checking in from Scotland says he really enjoys the podcast. Great points being discussed. He's a lifelong Reds fan. Lifelong Reds fan living out in Scotland. Jeff, do not do it. We're not doing it. We are taking the compliments and we are rolling right along. Thank you. That's Wayne. awesome. We I love that there's Reds fans the out in Scotland. Yes. Appreciate the kind words. Uh, Carrick asking about Stevenson. We haven't talked about Tyler Stevenson really today is if we want Stevenson to play 50% of the time at catcher, we need someone better than Tucker as a backup. Well, I don't tell you what Carrick, I want, Stevenson behind the plate only about 30% of the time. So, uh, Which probably means we need two the, catchers. We probably, <laughs> I, you know, Tucker's just fine. And if you compare him to what they rolled out there for most of this year, he's great. Um, I think that if he sticks to one side of the plate and we do strategic starts, uh, to, uh, take advantage of his handedness and his splits, uh, he can be okay back there. Uh, what you get from him defensively and managing the pitching staff, I think if he can hit 230 to 40, I'm good with that. I'm okay with yeah. that. As long as they're not paying him an exorbitant amount of money. If he's at two, three million dollars for the season, it, it, that's what he can do. And his career is red. That's what he's hit. And, and 
I don't necessarily know that there's a lot of guys that the Reds would actually go after on this catcher's market. We've talked about it before. Like they could go after Omar Narvaez back there, but the biggest question about Omar Narvaez is he's not great at blocking pitches. And we saw what happened when the Reds put pitchers back there that weren't great at blocking pitches last year. It, it equated to extra runs for other teams. So there's, there's gotta be a happy medium somewhere between defense and, and hitting. Rob seems surprised to learn that the Reds actually had a medical staff. Look at that. Um, yeah, no, they had guys. I don't know what they were doing, Rob, but some kind we, of bug last year. They hit. We um, definitely had them. Uh, all right, last one. <laughs> one more. Sharon Peters checks in. The Reds need to hire handsome Tracy Jones, Jeff. What? You know, I'm curious. What job? What job? Do the Reds give Tracy Jones? Uh, they, um, <laughs> didn't we just talk about this like off the air the other day? <laughs> First base coach. There we go. That's a great spot to end today's podcast. Thank you all so much oh, for joining no, no, us. No, 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 no. Time out. <laughs> Hold the phone, Jeff. We have a request. Wayne Roberts from Scotland has checked in <laughs> and he wants the I, accent. I, so I can't even so, know if I did it. Well, anyway, <laughs> thank you all so much for joining us here on this Aloha Friday of the Lockdown Reds podcast. Oh my God, I'm going to stop so right there. Bad. I'm sure I'm that's offending so, Wayne. Thank so, you. Thank so you so bad. much for Thanks, joining us. Don't stop listening on that account. Um, <laughs> that'll do it. Hey guys, this has been great. Listen, all of you <laughs> folks in the comment section that have hung on throughout this whole, Hey, we've got an hour and 16 minutes here, guys. We're so grateful for you guys. We appreciate Absolutely. you downloading and listening and watching and commenting and tweeting <laughs> and, and just no, interacting no. with us. You guys are great. You're the reason we do this. Uh, before Jeff wraps up the show, I just want to one more time. I promise I won't do that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you all. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Uh, now, make sure you go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Lots of great interviews and news. They cover everything, all the biggest news in sports whenever you're talking about uh, the NFL, M NBA, everything is on Locked On Sports Today, and they do it in 22 minutes or less. So you literally could have seen it three times in the course of our podcast here today. That's Locked On Sports Today, just like Locked On Reds, free and available on all platforms. Steve, I'm doing Scottish accents poorly. The Reds, they've got some decisions to make about some non-tenders and things like that. So what's that mean for you and me? Ooh, I can't put that one up. Uh, that means that you and I are going to be locked on reds every single day. We'll catch you on next time. Aloha. Get us the, the heck out of here.